Hello everyone and welcome Good to... evening. Oh, is it good evening, right? It is good evening. Welcome to another episode of the Grey Air Podcast and this is episode number... 12. 12, correct. And we out here. And my name is Grey, Jabesi of course, and we have Kanan. Of course, co-host, out here. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, we j- this is Monday, we are recording this at... Monday night. 10.37. Committed to the cause, 10.37. Monday okay. and Thursday, doesn't matter what time on Monday day, does it? Yeah. As long as it's before midnight, exactly. it's still counts as Monday. Yeah, it still counts as Monday. Uh, and yeah, on this episode was really, really cool. It's about uh, Gem, which is an app about helping out. Uh, going the extra mile is exactly what it is. So that's why it's Gem, G-E-M. You can download the app from gemproject.org. Uh, I had a chance to chat to the developer, the co-founder, David Shields and the project coordinator in Cape Town, Danielle Jarvis. And AKA full-time badass. Exactly, she's a full-time badass. And, and also, I only had a brief chat with uh, David himself, mm-hmm. the, the co-founder, but he sounds like a really, really cool guy. I mean, it was a brief chat, but like, uh, was amazing. Only mm-hmm. 10 minutes. And then for the rest of the episode, I was chatting to Danielle Jarvis, who is the, um, as I said, the coordinator. And she's also a sailing coach. A professional sailing coach she has represented her country a couple of times so now she runs a sailing school it's called sail pro so for those folks out there who want to sail uh you can try to get hold of her i will leave the show uh the contacts in the show notes but um this i think is a cool product for everyone who want to help out uh, if you're traveling whether you're local you just you know don't make an impact in your local area exactly and you'll get rewarded for it mm-hmm. that's how it works it's, it's like you help out without even giving out anything as uh, the traditional way you get rewarded for it which i think is really really great way to to uh, to do stuff which is also cool because it's tech and we like startups we love startups, especially if it's making the world a better place especially if you're unique and this is as unique as it comes man yeah this is definitely unique. i mean i like it Shout out to the GEM team and everyone, David and Camilo, who I didn't have a chance to chat to, and Danielle and everyone else. Anyway, I enjoy this episode with uh, David and Danielle. Shout out. Peace, guys. It's all good here. Just the end of the day and traffic and all that. But finally, we're here. Oh, shucks. I know, classic Cape Town, though, hey? Traffic's, what, 15-minute drive? Always, always. Uh, <laughs> But I live in town, so for me it's not really that bad. But right now I'm a little bit out of town, so yeah, there's a little bit of traffic in the area that I, I'm at. Okay. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Um, I expected Camilo. Is Camilo your your wife or your business partner? No, he's my business partner. Uh, oh. Camilo's yeah, he's a, he's a guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, okay, no stress. He's got a. He's actually from Uruguay, so. Hence the um, the tropical name. Oh, okay, awesome. So okay, yeah. So do you want to explain exactly what Gem is and like the whole background? So, Gem offers a mobile payment platform to reward social action, and it works as a smartphone app and USSD channel that supplies a mobile directory where people can find out how or where to go about doing good deeds in their community. So you log on and uh, you look for an available time and a date where you'll be able to give of your, your time in a charitable or volunteering respect and you click attending on whatever activity is listed on that day. Then you go to the event and you offer your time in whatever capacity is expected 
and within three days you're rewarded with gems. So one gem is equivalent to one rand, and with those gems you're able to purchase a variety of tangible and digital goods um, via our platform. So at the moment those goods include data, airtime, electricity, and movie tickets. Um, and we're now we've begun interfacing with Y Group so that our users are able to exchange their gems for e-vouchers. So anything from checkers and ShopRite to pick and pay and KFC. All right, so the idea behind it is uh, to get people more proactive and more productive in their immediate communities, um, especially the unemployed and the impoverished. They have the, um, the time on their hands. They just don't have the available resources and opportunities. So what GEM does is it provides them with a, a form of disposable income, not in the sense uh, that it's a living, working wage. It's more just a token of appreciation to say thank you so much for coming through. Um, and, 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 and the GEMs essentially, they earn 30 GEMs per activation. I mean, that's, it's, it's equivalent to keeping the lights on for a week or to purchasing data that will allow you to browse the Internet for at least a couple of days. Um, so that's it in a nutshell. And uh, at the moment, we're in three cities nationwide. We're in Cape Town, Johannesburg, and Pretoria. And we support over 30 NGO organizations with about 55 activations taking place countrywide every month. Awesome, man. Um, could you ru just run me through the background of how it all started? So I met Camilo, who's been in uh, mobile payments for the last 15 years. So Camilo came to South Africa with a payment software called Cyclos, um, which is based in the Netherlands but is utilized all over the world. And together we contextualized it because we realized that in a place like South Africa, where the unemployment rate is soared at 40% unemployment, we thought to ourselves, why is it that people in impoverished communities have all the time in the world but they're not being productive? productive or proactive in their communities. You know, they, we've got dirty neighborhoods. We've got kids who need help with homework. We've got uh, the elderly who need help with cleaning and with chores and animals who need to be walked and, and, and fed and bathed. So, so what is it that's preventing people in these impoverished communities from helping one another and from helping themselves? And we realized through excessive research that it was actually a lack of incentive. Um, and so this has been, it's gamified, you know, in every industry across the country from uh, insurance to medical aid to schools. I mean, parents incentivize their children uh, to go to bed on time and to do their homework and to clean up their rooms. So why not incentivize one of the biggest responsibilities of all, which is to do good deeds and help out your fellow human? So your, your background, what, uh, are you also a, a, a developer? Did you have a payment system? How did you end up uh, linking up with Camila? So I've been, in, um, I've been a digital strategist for the last eight odd years, and uh, I studied journalism and politics, but I met Camila through mutual friends. And so I think where the, the mutual relationship or the, 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 the mutual benefit lay was that he had this mobile payment technology and I had a basic understanding of South Africa's context and, its, and the space and time that it exists within the greater frame, both on a technological scale and on a developmental scale. Okay, awesome. So since it seems to me like it's completely a, um, a charitable product in a way, how, how do you get funding for it, like to, to pay all these gems? Like how, if, somebody, if we say 
uh, a number of gems is equal to one rand. You say, is it three or 30 gems? Uh, 30 gems. Yeah, 30, so 30 rand for activation per person. Yeah, so how do you manage to keep up with, the, with, with this cost? That's a great question. Uh, so basically, at the moment, we're formulated as a nonprofit corporation, and through CSI, uh, Corporate Social Investments, we receive a budget with which to disperse these gems and allocate them accordingly per organization. Now, once we grow a big enough user base, we venture into the financial services sector, and that's where we begin to turn a profit. All right, cool. Okay. All right, cheers, David. It was nice Fantastic, talking to you. Fantastic, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. Great. Uh, have a good one, and I'll chat to you soon. Cheers, man. Bye. Cheers, man. So much. Bye-bye. And that, folks, was David Shields, the co-founder of GEM. And now enters Danny Jarvis, the project manager. And your son is Jarvis. Jarvis, yes. <laughs> to, to a nerd like me, that's the, the first thing I, I think of when I think of Jarvis, in my case, it's, do you know anything about Iron Man? Yes. The movie? I like that one. <laughs> you like that, like the Jarvis in there? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I was like, oh, Jarvis. Okay. I tried to make one Jarvis a long time ago, I failed. Um, <laughs> are you the project manager in the Western Cape or in Cape Town? or? Uh, Western Cape, Cape Town. Okay. Yeah. Good. So, down south area. <laughs> okay. So how did you get involved with this? Um, so David, the co-founder, mm-hmm. and I we were at uh, university together, um, both at Rhodes University. And then he went back up to Joburg after completing his degree. Um, and I came to Cape Town and I was running the sailing school. And he came down to Cape Town and we met up and he said I think you'd be a perfect fit because I also do quite a lot of volunteer work Mm. and he said would you like to be on board and I thought yes definitely because from a marketing perspective I'd done a bit of work in marketing itself and I didn't enjoy the fact that I was trying to sell people things that they didn't really need or sell products that were harmful in some way to either the welfare of people to the environment to you know the world in general and so doing this kind of a thing where I was marketing or kind of promoting more of a feel-good thing Mm. where people are doing good they're expanding their networks and their horizons and their experiences and they're also getting stuff out of it that they're able to kind of be rewarded with was something that I really loved I love that understanding of it so statistically like how, what are the numbers of people that needs help like in Cape Town or South Africa entirely wow that's a very loaded question um, I mean there are so many opportunities mm. with which to go and do good out in wherever you are especially in South Africa I mean you know with the crime and the poverty rates as they are especially in this country as a third world developing kind of country Um, the possibilities are endless and I think that was also one of the motivations for starting up GEM was being able to kind of compact or clarify where there is help that's needed and what you can do in your own capacity to go and assist Um, so instead of it being really overwhelming if you were looking to volunteer it creates a platform in which you're able to see okay cool there's three events today I might not be in that area I'm in this area and it's happening just after lunch that'd be awesome go through help out of it 
Okay, so yeah. just to make things clear, the way the platform works is works based on event spaces. So there's yeah. an event happening and you have to attend and you earn your chain for that for yeah. that event. Yeah. So how does the app verify if you attended or not? So what the app does is it's able to show you exactly where and when and what time and who to contact directly. Mm -hmm. um, so when you click attending, then the host of that event will get an SMS with your name and just letting them know that you'll be attending. Um, and you're able then to access the host's phone number so you can contact them if you get lost or you need directions. Um, and then what happens from there is you will sign up on the um, at the event itself there's a form and you just fill out your number your phone number and your name um, and then we do ask for date of birth and gender but that's just for our own statistical purposes and that information doesn't get shared okay. um, it's just kind of to see where and when and how and you know yeah. being able to kind of target which events would be preferable where Okay. So is it only related to helping out, like feeding people, or there are other areas that you can help out and also earn gems? Uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of other areas. So one of the very active ones, as you mentioned, in Cape Town is um, the Ladles of Love project. Mm. And that runs three times a week, every single week in and around the city bowl area right. feeding i think they feed over a thousand meals yeah. every week to wow. the homeless around cape town um but then we've also got places like dog so that's in Hart bay and it focuses mainly on animals right. animal shelters that kind of thing um also we've got the lucky lucy foundation which is in the northern suburbs and they do um work with animals and they've got microchipping and volunteering specifically with the animals right. and then we've got James House which is a orphanage in Hart Bay okay. um, so that's really cool if you want to go through and play with the kids and help them out and tutor and yeah, yeah there's a whole range so <laughs> assume somebody just want to go to to the James Orphanage in Hart Bay. Mm -hmm. If they want to go there, do they have to bring their own things or they should just go and help out or that's entirely up to them? What's great about Gem is that it offers the platform obviously to the partner. So James House is the partner mm -hmm. for Gem and what you do is you then see the event and usually the partners will have everything set up. All you need to go and do is pitch up. Attend, yeah, attend, okay. and they'll That's help okay. you out with what you need to do, yeah. um, how you need to set things up, take things down. If that's what volunteering entails. Right. Yeah. So, what is, what are your like your general thoughts about helping out in general? What do you think? <laughs> I think that you know, especially as a South African, mm. our whole society and in many traditional African cultures, um, I speak from personal experience, having lived and was born in Zimbabwe oh, and then moved to South Africa. Um, it's very centered around the community and around Ubuntu, that spirit of I am because you are. Yeah. And therefore, whatever I have and I share with you, that will be reciprocated. Right. And having that kind of understanding of the togetherness. Yeah. Yeah. So just to make things clear, how many gems does one get per, per event? 
Um, so that ranges. I mean, obviously there are different times and you know different hours that events will run. So you know, a full day event, you might earn a couple more gems than say an event that you that is only happening for about half an hour to an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it sounds fun though. It's like helping out, having fun at the same time, meeting new people. Yeah. It's on an app, really, just like everything else now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you get a nice little kind of benefit out of it as well. You get? Um, a nice little benefit out of it. Oh, Obviously, yeah, just yeah, the sure. reward thing. So it's, oh. not, it's not a wage per se, but it's just kind of like a little cherry on the top. Yeah, you know, sure. it's like, thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so how does the, the gems work now if you want to use them? So on the app itself... Mm. Um, also with a USSD code for non-smartphones, yeah. it does work. <laughs> um, we've got that all sorted out. You just go on. Um, what will happen is usually after you have attended your event and you've signed off that you were there, then the partner sends the event sheet through to the GEM team. And what we do is we just process the payments. We make sure that the specific cell phone numbers receive specific amounts of GEMs as per you know how much they volunteered or not and um, from there you as the volunteer get an SMS when right. your account has been credited and then you get to go onto the gem app and you're able to spend your gems yeah so you just click through on the spend your gems side and you're able to choose whatever you want to, to be spending them on so it's not complicated that you have to sign up uh, proof of address and all this no no none of that thankfully (laughs) because I signed up I remember when I was signing up I just put in my number and my email address for the app and that was it yeah yeah Yeah. that's cool so and for the people who do not have smartphones can they participate somehow (laughs) yes definitely Um, so the details for that route of going on to the things would be on the GEM website and um, it goes and works all through USSD codes and just kind of typing in, you know, those kind of longer numbers, which it, it guides you through. It's quite a simple process for, oh, right. for what it is. You know, you don't need to freak out about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and currently it's only in South Africa, right? Yes, and currently. Is, yeah, and anyone can participate. You don't have to be South African or it's only... Yeah, it's open to everyone. I mean, also what's nice is that if you are, you know, traveling through South Africa, maybe you know, you don't have a smartphone or, you know, you are maybe traveling with friends that use a smartphone, mm. then you can always operate it through that as well. You know, it's not like there's going to be, you know, us tracking you down, as you say, to get a whole yeah. bunch of paperwork like a banking system would, you know. Um, and luckily, we just managed to do it all through just the phone number and your name. And it's all, all right. Good. So I saw you linked up, you post some some of the events with couch surfing mm. what strike that idea like to invoke couch surfing as well uh, couch surfers to get to do gym yeah well i mean as uh i'd say a couch surfer i myself myself yes nice. <laughs> I, I have traveled All right. quite extensively using couch surfing um and I think that what led me personally to go the couch surfing route is because it is a real experience. 
you're getting to meet real people you're getting to see an environment which they live in and you're able to really kind of feel like you're getting a taste of what it's like to be right. in the country that you're in um, unlike let's say if you went the hotel route and you were just kind of in a room that could be anywhere in the world so true <laughs> not knowing anybody around you or anything like that you know so you develop a lot of lifetime friendships and um, it's just a really awesome way to travel so you know on that basis it kind of is a platform to be able to get you involved more and more with the community around you or making new friends um, because you know they say half an hour of play with a person yeah. in terms of you know just the childlike innocent kind of you know doing something together mm. you learn so much more about anyone that you're working with than sitting down and trying to have a face to face conversation you so, know yeah. so within that working towards a common goal and especially in South Africa where there's such a good sense of community and Ubuntu and inclusiveness and you know kind of rainbow nation yeah. it's a very cool experience to have in my I make our start for myself obviously mm, as you yeah. can see <laughs> my cultures are all, um, well served yeah. <laughs> especially that one yeah, yeah. Uh, so most of these guys actually have an urge to help out they come here they're curious mm. about things they need people yeah. and they also actually want to help out because some of these guys come for volunteering works and mm. all this so I I'm sure most people will get involved and obviously they do already. Right? How has been the uh, their att attention from car surfers? Do they really attend at the moment? Um, I think that's a, it's quite a difficult thing to be able to track from my side of things just in terms of looking at it from admin. Um, so in terms of numbers, mm. I don't think, I, I think I'd have to definitely follow up with the, the rest of the GM team yeah. to be able to get specific numbers because I only get kind of cell phone numbers and names mm. given back to me which I just processed through so that's definitely an area probably that we need to have a look at oh, right. so that we can you know make it more accessible and more exciting that way sure. as well so JM is basically a startup right yes. that is running uh, yeah. in real time yeah so if anyone else want to help in other ways like do you have any other areas that you need help as well from other people because these for example, the couchsurfing community have all sorts of different people in different areas. Yeah, huge network. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, in that regard, I think that the best, the best thing to be doing would be just to have a look, you know, at the GEM website mm. and get in contact with us and see if there's, you know, other ways and new avenues that we haven't yet explored as right. a business because, as yeah. I said, we are quite young. Mm. But at the same time, we have been recognized at quite high levels yeah. within the industry. I mean, you know, we've won quite a few awards and, you know, we're, I think, making waves in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, and because of that, because we're so young and we're really flexible and we're wanting to make it the best that we can, yeah. um, just getting involved and coming through and meeting us or going to an event and seeing how it is and, mm. you know, just going and doing is is a big thing which is awesome cool I so encourage that. <laughs> you have obviously attended a couple of events on gym how is your 
typical day when you go into one of the events? So from a volunteer's perspective, um, being able to go through to an event, let's just use Ladles of Love. Um, It's one of our most active partners in Cape Town and it's also really accessible because it's in the city centre. It's right near the My City Lions and easy to access and it's quite a short and easy event to go to. So what you do is you go through to, let's say, the Tuesday Soup Kitchen yeah. And you'd meet at, you know, Doppio Zero at 5.30 at St. George's Mall, yeah. which is very central in town. And then, you know, kind of go through and say hi to the, the people in the restaurant. And they all know all of the staff. They're like, okay, you're here for the soup kitchen. Awesome. You know, and yeah. they'll show you where to take tables and the soup and the rolls. They get fresh bread, I think, delivered from the Food Lovers Market in St. George's Mall as well. Right. And then you just set up, you do the whole um, whole event in terms of the serving of the soup and chatting with people and there's a whole community of volunteers within itself that is you know ladles of love yeah. and you find that with all the with all the partners that we have, oh, okay. um, and so you're meeting different people, you're interacting with people that you wouldn't necessarily see on a day-to-day basis in Cape Town so you know there is a major big homeless population in Cape Town but a lot of the homeless on the street are very qualified people Mm. you know they've got such depth and such stories and you know they are so grateful for you know just a mug of warm soup especially in the winter months and some fresh bread and um, they bring their kids and their dogs and everyone goes and eats in St. George's more at the tables mm. and then afterwards we clear, we clear up and pack away the trestle tables and then that's it. Oh. So it's short, sharp, sweet, but it's a very deep experience as well, right. which is awesome. <laughs> so Ladders of Love is an organization already that help out and yeah. you partner with them. Yeah, yeah. All right. So okay. that's basically how we... Um, how we develop all our kind of network and our partners. Correct. We, we've got a bunch of MPOs that are all very much similar to that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, speaking of your couch surfing stories, um, yeah. what has been the most memorable experiences? <laughs> I think that that's a, a difficult question to ask because, you know, as you'll know, as a couch surfer, mm. Each and every experience, each and every person that you encounter is very, very precious yeah. in a lot of ways, and there's so much to learn. Um, probably a highlight of all of that would be personally for me, I, I backpacked around India mm. a couple of years ago, and one of the couch surfers that I met there was my first time couch surfing in India itself. So it was kind of a new environment. It was the first time I was in the East, and um, we had had a train strike so there was no transportation and we had to reschedule our train to arrive three days earlier and i was kind of like okay cool well i'm happy to kind of you know fork out a bit more to go and stay to backpackers just for those three days if it's you know going to be an issue and um our couch surfer host karen he was like no man just come through my wife will meet you at the airport and um you'll all be sorted so get off the plane and um, 
she met us there. I was with one of my traveling companions at the time and we had our little backpacks and she looked at this and her face dropped because yeah. she had a tiny little scooter and that was it. And so then, you know, she phoned Karen and then Karen sent one of his best friends and the next thing we were whizzing towards their family home mm. on the back of these scooters with our backpacks on our backs and it was just incredible and then you know you kind of arrive at this tiny little house um, definitely in western terms mm. but such a comfortable warm welcome and um, there's a little he has his little daughter who's all of eight years old at the time mm. and she walked up to me and she was like Hello, my name is so-and-so, and I go to English medium school, and can you draw your flag for me so I can take it to my teacher and color it in tonight? <laughs> and I was like, wow, amazing, you know, yeah. and we were so looked after, um, you know, like breakfast every day, dinner with the grandparents and the whole family and meeting friends, and then, you know, he really made an effort to go out of his way to take us to all the various different sites and even just drop us off in places and arranged a rickshaw for us for our next next journey and I mean you know if you've traveled around the east you know how f like daunting it can be yeah. to kind of haggle your way and navigate okay. different language and all of that especially you know in terms of getting transportation such as rickshaws you know right. and everything was just taken care of um, and we still t stay in contact to this day. Um, they've recently had a son, right. and I look forward to the day that they're going to come over and have a visit to South Africa. Oh, yeah, that's a good story. <laughs> yeah, that was random as well. Just yeah, like, but I think it's something that you know all couch surfers can yeah. can relate to, mm. connect to. Exactly. Yeah. You ever had bad experiences at all? I wouldn't call them bad. I would, I'd call them learning experiences, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I should be calling them that. Learning experiences. Yeah, so there was also, um, there was just one time where everything was good on the surface, but there was just kind of an undercurrent of very strange occurrences mm -hmm. that kept happening. Um, you know, like a full meeting and luncheon with a friend of the couch surfer at the time who turned out to be a guy that was, you know, trying to get me to pack my bag with certain objects to take to the next town. And I was just like, uh-uh. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Um, well, the way how he described it, because I never took him up on the offer, um, he was like, no, I just have a couple of statues that need to go from this place to this place. Have you got space in your bag to take them? Oh. And I just thought... Unfortunately, not in any of my bags. <laughs> maybe somebody else will be able to help you. Or maybe you should, you know, look at going with the postal service, yeah. you know. And then from there, it became very clear that he wasn't quite interested in being a friend or, you know, anything like that. But as with anything in life, you've just got to be street savvy. Yeah. You know? What do you think that was what he was trying to get you to transport? I don't really want to know, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer to just be a bit more ignorant about that. But right. at the same time, you know, you've got to trust your gut. Yeah. You know, if something doesn't feel right or doesn't look right or something just is a bit off, then, you know, move yeah. on. Where was, that? Where was that? In India as well? Um, yeah, it was somewhere during the Asia trip. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
oh, can't really remember that much, but I just remember like staying two nights and then moving on straight away. Okay. <laughs> Such a learning experience. Yeah. So in in Cape Town, do you still host? Or are you active with car surfing here? Um, at the moment, not currently because I'm busy moving house. Oh, okay. So once that's set up, then definitely All be right. back on track with that. Cool. Now I'm still curious about mm. your sailing. Yes, definitely. Yeah. How did you get involved with sailing, first of all? Um, so my mom and dad, both of their parents sailed mm. um, and they met through sailing. And um, my dad started building a boat and then my mom fell pregnant with me. Mm. And by the time that I was born, my dad had kind of done a bit more building and drinking and not so much sailing oh. so it was a little more unfit mm. and um, my first introduction to sailing was when I was four years old and my dad decided right we're going to sail the national championships on this new boat that I've just built oh, also the build boats by himself yeah he used to do it as kind of a side project hobby oh, nice. yeah, which is nice and so then um, when I was when I was four years old he just he was looking for, for a new crew because mm. obviously he was a bit heavier now and you know, kind of needed to make weight adjustments on the boat to this crew, and he thought, well, hey, I've got a little person, <laughs> let's take my daughter sailing with me. And so I've got this very vivid memory of kind of the large race of the big regatta, and my dad being like, come on, you've got to work a bit harder, we've got to make it, like, duh, like giving me all this motivation. Mm. And I was just like, but dad, I'm so tired, I'm so like over this, you know, like as you do as you're four years old. And um, anyway, it turned out that we were winning overall and um, we needed to win that last race to win the whole series. And um, we ended up doing so. And my dad coaxed me. He was like, no, I'll give you a chocolate when you get back to shore. You just got to work hard. Yeah. Come, let's go, you know. And we've got this beautiful photograph of um, my dad standing with the trophy in one hand and me in the other hand. And I've just got chocolate all over my face in the biggest grin. <laughs> <laughs> At four years old. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then you just translated to you've just been doing sailing all your life, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. So before you started your own school, uh, mm -hmm. what have you been doing? Like professional sailing? Um, yeah, you could call it professional. Uh, not that I've ever gotten like fully paid to win races, okay. but. Um, yeah, I started representing my country when I was 11 years old at Continental Championships and then um, as kind of within the top ranking all through my youth ages and age groups and stuff and then at a senior level I've been part of the South African Women's High Performance Sailing Squad and I currently race on um, the wind power racing team. Right. So that's a yacht, a racing yacht um, based out of Granger Bay. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. And then you just started teaching others how to, to do this. Yeah. So um, my boss and owner of SailPro, hmm. uh, Nick Bagri, he's also a couch surfer actually. Oh, okay. um, but he, yeah. So he started up SailPro, I think in his last year of university and then when I graduated from university um, we went out for dinner and he was like do you want to come coach for me and I thought yeah why not mm. and it just kind of made sense because 
I do enjoy teaching, I do enjoy learning, and um, obviously sailing is my passion and it's something that I'm good at. Mm. So it was a very beautiful fusion of, of the two of those, yeah, right. So how, what's the mentality of, of a sailor? Like, what do you think of most of the time, generally? <laughs> well, there's a lot of stuff when you think about sailing. Um, Interestingly, at the Olympics, they always do a test across the board mm. of um, the different disciplines and the athletes in each discipline. And, um, you know, kind of looking at intelligence, at brain functioning during the sport itself, um, at all the muscle groups and how they balance out in the body. Because obviously, you know, somebody who is running a marathon in the Olympics is going to yeah. have a very different... Uh, body type or body makeup yeah. to say a weightlifter um, and so with sailors it's across the board always ranked that they're within you know kind of the top percentiles of brain functioning and intelligence and strategy and tactics as well as uncontrollable variables so you've got wind wind speed direction of the wind which changes and fluctuates all the time the gusts of the wind the lulls of the wind um and then you've obviously got your waves um which you really can't control that much and you've got an entire system which is your boat that needs to be adjusted and specifically tuned to maximize its performance within Mm. any of the conditions um and then from that that's just yourself if you add in a whole other bunch of boats you've got tactics and you know kind of seeing where everyone else is going and which side of the race course which is consistently moving and changing and fluctuating um and you've got to think about all of those different factors and then how you position yourself and how you tactically move around according to your position and your speed and all of that so one of the America's Cup sailors, I think it was, um, he described sailing as being an entire rugby team worth of like physical build people who are busy racing a um, very sparse sports car over a yeah. terrain that is constantly changing and shifting, mm. but at the same time tactically playing a mental game of chess. and doing all of that at once that's hard and so yeah it becomes an incredible an absolutely incredible way of pushing yourself as a person Mm. in all aspects Ah. and your dealings with other people um and also uh sailing in general has come it's had the most exponential technological advancement of any sport really over the last couple of years especially with the foiling boats so uh, basically what happens is now if you look at events like um, the Red Bull foiling generation and the America's Cup instead of having your standard one kind of sa- I mean sorry one hull sailing boat so that's just like a standard like if you think of any kind of normal boat right. um, but then what they've done is they've added extra wings to the bottom of the boat mm. and so what that does is it generates more lift and as the boats go faster and faster in light of breezes um, what ends up happening is the boat lifts out of the water and so you get what's kind of 
a huge big 45 foot catamaran moving at almost you know kind of double the wind speed right um and is flying above the water which wow. is very cool it's very difficult to try and describe when i know that people who are listening are not going to yeah. be able to see what i'm yeah. trying to say because i'm quite a visual and like kinetic learner yeah. in that regard um but i mean if you google youtube videos oh, of okay. the america's cup yeah. currently the series that's going on at the moment you'll be able to see some incredible technology maybe you could send me a link to that and i'll put it in the show notes when they're listening Definitely they know, we'll so do that. yeah ah okay so how long have you what is the longest you have been on water like on the ocean so i basically focus more on the shorter distance races all right um i've yet to do a very long ocean passage but i've done some overnight racing mm. and yeah it's been really beautiful it's a whole other different dimension because suddenly you can't see anything yeah <laughs> so when i'm looking at sailing and on youtube or on television mm -hmm. this is my mentality and what i question about it it's like all the boats are the same the same wind speed and everything mm -hmm. and the same water surface where's the competition there mm -hmm. yeah or is it the builder the builder the boat or is it it has something to do with a sailor i don't know how it works <laughs> yeah it is it is a very difficult spectator sport yeah you know it's not like soccer where you've got your standard pitch mm. you've got your standard number of players per team yeah. and you're just got one single goal which is you know score. to score <laughs> um especially yeah so with sailing there are as i said obviously a lot of variables but essentially what you're doing is you're racing from point a to point b mm -hmm. and sometimes you get a couple of different boys in between or like a racetrack mm. that goes on and so your ideal situation would be to go as fast as you can and beat right. everybody else mm -hmm. um obviously adjusting your boat to those conditions there are certain aspects of the race in which you'll look at it as an outsider's perspective and you'll mm. have no clue as to who's winning who's losing where everything is because they'll be pointing different directions oh so you don't have mm -hmm. the same set of, di of direction like point a to point b yeah you, you you will have the same set of directions so i'm not describing that very well but basically if you've got a course in which you're sailing from a start line and you're going upwind yeah so towards the direction that the wind is coming from mm -hmm. then you will essentially have to zigzag your way up okay. the race course at kind of a 45 degree angle to the wind so it does become a bit more complex so is that because you're trying to dodge the wind or that's just the rules or the racetrack that you have to go through um it's a bit of a combination because i mean if there's more wind on the one side of the course then mm. that will increase your wind speed your boat speed yeah and so you'll want to go towards that stronger wind so then oh. that's where the tactics comes into it because if you're able to spot and see or your navigator is able to say okay there's a mountain over here that juts out a little bit more and there's quicker wind that comes around there um then you're able to aim for that and take advantage of it so you're constantly <laughs> thinking about things like wind and all this kind of stuff yeah yeah ah, it's mathematical <laughs> this thing and never know yeah there's a there's a lot of geometry to it there's also a lot of i think what did they call it like hydrodynamics hydrodynamics yeah those are big engineering terms which yeah 
I don't know. I don't really. Hydrodynamics kind of makes sense, you know. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, and then just in terms of like the wind and speed and direction. Right. Because you know the, that quote that says, you know, I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust my sails. So <laughs> it's a sail up board, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and life in general as well. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you've got to kind of play with it and just see mm. where your own performance is the best, and then pit it against other people. Cool. Which is cool. <laughs> Exhausting information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a bit more of a physics person, I think. Than uh, so, else. for to the car surfers, travelers out there, if they come to Cape Town, they can obviously find you and yeah, sail with you. Yeah. How can they find you? Your website? You say sailpro. Yeah, sailpro.org.za. Okay. Yeah, and I'll send you the link as well. For okay, that. cool. And are you on Facebook or any kind of social media? Yeah, we're on Facebook as Sailpro, mm-hmm. and we're also on Instagram as sailpro.org.za. Okay. Yeah. And if somebody want to find you specifically, how do they find you? They can find me via um, the Sailpro pages. Because okay. I manage all of them as well. Oh, okay. Cool. What did you study in university? You went to VT, say? Um, I went to Rhodes. Okay. Yeah, that was where I met David and Jim. Mm. But um, yeah, I went to Rhodes and then I switched across to UCT because my scholarship got transferred mm-hmm. and finished up with my undergrad at UCT in politics and psychology. Mm. And then I did a postgrad in psychology through UNISA. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So do you still consider yourself Zimbabwean, South African? <laughs> I consider myself a, a child of the world. <laughs> no. <laughs> because I have I, I've travelled a lot and there's, you know, so much that's relatable. All right. In in everyone. You know, you just gotta yeah. gotta get to that point. <laughs> cool. And yeah. you still travel as much, I guess, at the moment. Um, not as much as a couple of years back. Mm. But um, yeah, this year I went and did my first trip to America and went across the east coast which is really really cool mm. so went to new york washington richmond virginia beach yeah yeah okay so just a quick question mm-hmm. you live in africa here there's yeah. a mentality of kind of saying that travel is expensive mm. do you think that's really the case in africa yeah there's a just a mint most people As don't travel traveling through africa or no, no. traveling to africa I mean, generally for Africans to mm. travel, there's a huge mentality of saying travel is expensive. Like people just disregard it. They don't put it on their <laughs> list for the most part. You yeah. Know? Do you really think it's unattainable for, for a lot of people? I believe that you've got to be smart about what you want to spend your money on. Right. So in terms of traveling experience, I've traveled quite extensively through Southern Africa itself. Um, I've, yeah, South Africa, I've traveled a lot around. Mm-hmm. It's a very beautiful and diverse country in many ways. And also it is cheap, you mm-hmm. know. There's a Greyhound bus service. Yeah, it might take you a bit longer yeah. than if you were traveling by car. But at the same time, you know, it's, I mean, what was the last time I checked? I think it was something like 750 rand from mm. here to Port Elizabeth or oh. Grahamstown, which is very affordable. Exactly. And then, I mean, if 
that's not for you. There's the train, which takes 24 hours to get up to Joburglen. Yeah. Which is another different, beautiful experience in itself. And if that's not for you, then we've got some of the most competitive pricing routes in terms of flights mm. from Cape Town to Johannesburg. Exactly. So it's definitely very accessible. You just need to kind of shift the mindset a bit. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's a mindset thing because I mean, yeah. I know people from Cape Town who has never been out of Cape Town at all. Mm. But like as you said, for a bus to go to PE is like seven fifty. I know in Durban, the last time I checked, it was around the same as well, like seven hundred, seven fifty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also, so we're so lucky within South Africa that there is such a wide range of different experiences and different mm. environments, different people. Um, you know, I mean, we've got eleven different official languages here. Yeah. And so, you know, you go two hours up the road one way and you're in an entirely different pocket of culture. Yeah. Which is beautiful. <laughs> cool. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and for the international travelers, Europeans, when they come here, what did you say to them or your advice? There's a lot of bias also in terms of thinking of where they can go, where they can go, what they can or can't do. Mm-hmm. At least for the car surfers, most of the people I've met are a little more open-minded in terms of where they can go of the types of experiences they try, they're looking for. Yeah. So, I think in terms of that, my number one tip mm. for being in South Africa is to be open-minded, but at the same time be sensible. All right. Because, I mean, as with anywhere in the world, you mm. know, there is risks associated with traveling you've just got to be street smart you know you've got to keep your passport in a safe place mm. you know you've got to know where your money is you've got to split it up in a few different places that you know if something happens to one you know then you've still got backups and all of that but mm. that's with traveling in general wherever you are um but at the same time to be open-minded and not to let that hinder mm. your experience right. of a very beautiful place because especially having traveled and understood um, I think Europe and also America in a big way mm. the very westernized societies um, people are so you know kind of glued to their phones finding Pokemon that they don't recognize <laughs> that you know somebody's walking next to them and that somebody is a very awesome person that if you you know just turn around and be like hi how are you yeah. you know you'll learn so much about them. Even though they're chasing Pokemon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you chase Pokemon? I have never chased a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, cool. I have an odd question before we close. Yeah, carry on. How does one open a school? How does one open a school? Cool. Yeah. Um, with a lot of passion, mm-hmm. determination, and guts. It does take a big leap of faith but having the trust that you're doing something good Mm. and that you want to share it with other people then the universe is a very magical way of supporting you okay yeah what's the hard part is it funding or government bureaucracy or i don't know what would what would you consider the hard part in your experience i think the perception of the education system as it is currently right um we live in a world where there is a very kind of, there's an undercurrent of a 
I want to say the term sociology is a quote-unquote hidden curriculum. Mm. So you go to school, you're told to dress a certain way, you have to have your hair a certain way, you have to answer to people who are in kind of more authoritarian positions and you kind of bred from a very young age to go into a nine-to-five scenario as you pop out. However, the way how the world works and in real life, you know, um, not a lot of people these days have the passion for a nine-to-five job. You know, a lot of people are sitting at home, plugging into the internet and creating the most amazing ways of earning a living and of being in the world. And so to be able to harness a school system or an education system that opens up that kind of a world to a child is definitely where we're headed. I mean, you know, there's beautiful TED Talks of you know, homeschooling, yeah, and okay. being able to yeah. kind of create your own curriculum as a child and right. kind of quote unquote free minded schooling in which you know a child decides, cool, I want to learn about skateboarding, mm. and hey, you know, whether that's how a skateboard is made or marketing a skateboard or working as, as an assistant in a boarding shop, you know, like those are real world experiences and Uh there's no reason why you can't just you know create that with an open mind (laughs) well that's we have one thing in common at that point like Mm. i think exactly the same Mm. um i have a philosophy or an idea of saying africa as it is the the rest the whole continent requires its own form of education i like to think that i don't know what Mm. you think do you think that's accurate or a good idea or a terrible one I think it, it, it's obviously within the education climate as it is in this country, mm. um, presently speaking, I mean, 2016 has been an incredible year mm. of, you know, shifts and changes in perspective and opening of people's minds. Mm. Um, that does become a sensitive topic, but I do also believe that a very Eurocentric curriculum and a Eurocentric point of view mm. and a very Western kind of way of thinking and dealing with the world specifically in Africa needs to be fused mm. with traditional African heritage. Okay. And in Zimbabwe I was very lucky growing up. You know, I attended a, a good school and um but at the, sorry, but within the same time within a very good school, my second language is Shona, mm. which is an indigenous African language. Yeah. Do you speak? A little bit. <laughs> it's a bit rusty at the moment, you know, not having been back yeah. and immersed in it for a right. while but I do still understand it when it's spoken Yeah. so um, I think that personally that's a very valuable experience to have had mm. because especially you know in let's say the African education system where the majority of you know kind of the majority of let's say upper to middle class right. schools it's more of an Afrikaans and an English first and second language choice or second and first language choice yeah. and you're the exception if you choose to learn an African language mm. and take that into an examination you know um, and so I think that there needs to be that synthesis yeah. because there's also so many valuable integral different lessons that can be learned yeah. from indigenous 
ancient heritage. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a brilliant <laughs> look at it. Why I say that, or why I think that I, of that idea is that in a country, in most African countries, I'm originally from Malawi. Mm-hmm. In most African countries, there are a lot of problems, eh? like mm-hmm. electricity and clean water and all these things. I really don't think infusing Shakespeare on kids that are coming from a home without electricity is a brilliant idea, to be honest. Yeah. I think there could be ways would be useful to teach to teach the kids or the children in a way that they could solve their own problems. Mm-hmm. You know, than relying on government the government rely on government funding and all this kind of Definitely. Thing. So then basically what you're saying is it becomes a shift from learning a specific prescribed syllabus, as you said, mm-hmm. that is completely irrelevant. Yeah. Um, in practical terms. Mm-hmm. The shift then needs to go towards creating a syllabus in which you're taught how to learn or taught how exactly, to experience yeah. or taught how to pro- solve problems. Prob- yeah. Yeah. And also that's, you know, something that I think that the world is very much realizing and awakening to is that yes, there might be very similar end goals in mind across mm. the board. I mean, you can from a very basic level say, you know, you want to be happy in your life and you want to be content and you want to be successful, but how you reach those definitions of Very that different. happiness and that success, mm. you can take a million different paths to get there. Exactly. And so being able to harness whichever path is beneficial to specific countries or to specific people or to specific groups of people, yeah. um, I think that that's very much what the GEM situation is, is about and it's yeah. a step in that direction, you Clean, know, yeah, which yeah. is why I'm very passionate about it cool. as well. Yeah. Right, it was nice chatting to you, Daniela. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated it. And that was it, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And just remember to subscribe to the Grave Podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, we talk about travel here. We I chat to travelers. Uh, we talk about business, startups, pretty much everything. Just cool people that I meet in my personal life. And then I just record the conversations that I have with them and uh, share them with the rest of the world uh, which I think is cool so remember to subscribe and leave some comments on what you think uh, what areas you think I should cover the most which has been your favorites or just you can just comment about this specific podcast and uh, what you think about it anyways I let you continue with what you're doing and I'm out <laughs>